0: Good morning this is Northern Light for Friday July 14th. I'm Monica Sandresky and I'm Todd Mo Folks in Long Lake and other Central Adirondack communities have been working all week to repair damage from Monday's night's flood. this community is they're just gold
1: When I decide what I'm going to do there will be
2: a troop of people here
1: and they'll, they'll help me you know they're so kind.
2: U.S. Customs and Border Protection is considering building a new border patrol station on a part of the St. Lawrence River known as Blind Bay. Conservationists are trying to convince the government to pick another site. And two tattoo artists in Plattsburgh are hosting a weekend-long music and motorcycle fest to raise money for the community's veterans.
3: You know, you think a lot of rock and roll and punk music tends to be a little anti-government, anti-this, but many of all these people are like, you know what? Our, our warriors, what they fought for us, for our freedoms and liberty, that's what matters.
0: Punk music and more. All of that is coming up on Northern Light. Stick with us.
2: Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by the Depot Theatre Westport, a professional equity theatre in the Adirondack, celebrating its 45th season, org. And by Claxton Hepburn Medical Center, sponsoring a Tai Chi Summer Series with Master Sean Booten. Today's class meets at Ogdensburg's New York Avenue Park from noon to one. Details at com.
0: This is Northern Light. I'm Monica Sandresky,
2: And I'm Todd Moe. There's been a big push this week to clean up some of the communities in the central Adirondacks that were hit by severe flooding on Monday night. Many of the roads around the region that were damaged have been reopened. The Route 28 between Long Lake and Newcomb is still closed. Now people are cleaning up and rebuilding. Emily Russell spoke with some locals in Long Lake dealing with damage left in the wake of the flood.
4: There's a little white house with green shutters in Long Lake. It's where Val Galvani has lived for more than 20 years. She was home Monday night when it started to pour.
1: My son had come earlier and he saw the creek back here. He said, Mom, that creek is going to overflow. And I'm like, oh my God.
4: She thought he was just being overprotective. But the creek behind her house kept rising. So her neighbors up the hill, the Hosleys, came down and got to work.
1: All the Hosley boys, their children, their nephews, they were here digging trenches. And they kind of really had things under control. And then Shaw Pond must have burst, and there was a deluge of
4: water, like, insane. Shaw Pond is less than a half mile up the road. It's not exactly clear what led to that deluge of water. Some say a beaver dam broke and clogged the culverts, sending the pond water down Route 28 and funneling it towards Galvani's home
1: what usually is a grass in a pretty yard was a
4: lake. That's Trisha Hosley, who lives just up the hill from Galvani. Hosley waded through the water and into Galvani's home. It hadn't flooded the inside yet, but Hosley and others worried that if it did, it could destroy Galvani's belongings on the first floor. What can
1: we get up? And so she said, pictures, I want to save my pictures. And she started pointing to bottom drawers of
5: the desk. And so we,
4: you know, ripping out drawers and putting them up on dressers. Others helped put clothes and furniture up high and into the second floor. Hosley says once they left Galvani's home, the water had risen even more. And now it's like waist
1: deep from like the front of her house to the garage. We walked towards her garage, which is a little uphill, and then back to my house. Um, And even that is just so scary.
4: Hosley says the water was colder than she thought it would be. After she got Galvani set up in her house, Hosley headed into town. Her husband and brother-in-law own a few properties in Long Lake, including a big garage in the center of town.
1: See the windows? That was standing water when the whole thing happened. So in like three or four feet? Yeah, I'd say four. Four.
4: It's a few days after the flood. All the water has receded now. But Hosley walks me around the back of the garage. There's always been a stream back here, but during the flood, it turned into a torrent of water and debris. So we're looking at a, a massive pile of, like, it's not even branches, it's trees. It's all logs and trees and, like, it's such a mess. It's a mess inside the garage, too. You can see what Mother Nature did. Pat Benton shines a flashlight on the muddy floors and the jumble of stuff inside the garage. Benton rents this place as a storeroom for her antique shop up the road. I asked her what it was like when she first saw the place after the flood.
1: I looked at it and I said, okay, girl, you can do this. And I thought of everybody else suffering
4: too. And I thought, okay, we're okay. Nobody was hurt. Some of the antiques are salvageable. And today, the community is turning out. A whole team of folks is here helping Benton clean and sort it all. Climate change is making storms more severe and the weather less predictable, which Benton says should be one of the takeaways from this moment. I hope this has kind of been a wake-up call locally for all of us.
1: And when you see that devastation and what Mother Nature can do, moving huge pieces of concrete, there was a building over there, it's gone. Um, We need
4: to pay attention. The flood ripped up roads and bridges in the central Adirondacks and destroyed a small dam in Long Lake. Repair crews have been working all week throughout the region, trying to bring a sense of normalcy back. But for some folks, floods like this can change lives. In just hours. Val Galvani's home of more than two decades, filled with three feet of water, changing it forever.
1: There's my sweet little kitchen I loved. I loved my kitchen.
4: Galvani walks me through her home. Her fridge is now tilted at an angle. The floor is caked in mud. um I had a sweet pantry in my
1: my dining room where we had all our family events and
4: Galvani has two sons in town, so this home was a place for them to gather.
1: yeah, and I have grandchildren that love to be here, and they call me goGo and I always want to go to Gogo's house so.
4: Now that house is being sifted through and emptied out. Galvani will move into one of her son's rental units in Long Lake. There's a GoFundMe site that succeeded its $50,000 goal for Galvani. She says she is so grateful for this community and for the fact that her home is still standing.
1: It wasn't a tornado. My house is here. I probably won't be saved, but it, that's okay. You know, it's okay, but it's a, a deep deep loss no matter what
4: galvani says she loved this house so much that she'd say goodbye to it when she'd go out of town she longed for this place when she was away from it but as we're saying goodbye standing in the mud on her back porch galvani says really it's long lake that's her true home emily russell north country public radio long lake
0: The State Department of Environmental Conservation has issued a high water advisory because of the recent heavy rains across the region. That means hikers are urged to avoid using trails near waterways and high elevation trails for the time being. The DEC says current trail conditions across the Adirondack Park are extremely wet, which can pose risks to hikers, including falling, losing footing on slippery rocks, and hypothermia in wet conditions. Streams and rivers are running high and fast with swift waters that can be very dangerous to people trying to cross them. More thunderstorms are forecast for the Adirondacks the rest of this week and into the weekend. High elevation trails also have thin soil. Sliding boot treads can erode soil and damage sensitive vegetation. Hikers are advised to check the Adirondack Backcountry Information webpages for updates on trail conditions, seasonal road closures, and general recreation information for the Adirondacks, particularly in the wake of the recent flooding.
2: You're listening to Northern Lights right here on North Country Public Radio. It's nine minutes past eight. Good morning. I'm Todd Mo.
0: And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, we'll get a preview of the weekend's North Country Thunder Music and Motorcycle Fest to raise money for the Honor Flight for U.S. veterans. That conversation coming up in just a few minutes here on Northern Lights.
2: Music by Sal Sarmiento out of Potsdam, and just want to remind you that uh, Sal and his trio, uh, Mojo Dojo, will be live at McDuff's Pub Happy Hour from 5 until 8 tonight. That's at McDuff's Pub in Potsdam. Live music with Sal Sarmiento and friends at McDuff's Pub tonight from 5 to 8. Northern Light is supported by Adirondack Foundation, helping people and families build a legacy of generosity for the Adirondacks. Adirondackfoundation.org and ADK Action, working towards a sustainable future for people and nature in the greater Adirondack region. More at adkaction.org.
0: U.S. Customs and Border Protection is planning to build a new border facility in the Thousand Islands to replace its current one on Wellesley Island. It's considering a place called Blind Bay, but local conservationists say Blind Bay is an environmental treasure critical for aquatic life. As Lucy Grinden reports, they're trying to convince the government to pick another site.
5: I'm floating on a boat in the middle of Blind Bay. I can see green river grass waving back and forth in the shallow water beneath me. There's a flock of geese paddling nearby. Occasionally, one of them dives down for food. I'm here with John Peach. He's the executive director of Save the River, a St. Lawrence River conservation organization founded in the 70s. He grew up in the Thousand Islands.
6: I used to get in my little 10-foot aluminum boat with a 7.5 horsepower motor, and one of the things I loved to do the most was sneak away from my parents have my fishing pole and i would come to blind bay
5: now peach is leading the campaign to stop customs and border protection from building a new facility here they've put a blue sign up at the head of the road where it turns off the highway it has a big cartoon musky fish on it and it says simply save blind bay CPP declined a request for an interview, but a spokesman said in an email that the department is considering feasible properties for a potential U.S. Border Patrol station relocation. According to an environmental assessment draft released last year, the new facility would replace the current Border Patrol station on Wellesley Island. It would be moderately larger to house more agents and would include dog kennels and snowmobile parking. And the plans call for water access a dock, a boat ramp, and boat storage to patrol the St. Lawrence and the border with Canada. But John Peach says Blind Bay is not an ideal place for boats to access the river because it's so shallow. Peach says Blind Bay is a classic example of what's known as a wet meadow, where the trees and the vegetation come right down to the river.
6: The fish, the ducks, the reptiles, everything need these wet meadows to spawn, to breed, to hide, to eat.
5: The shallow, muddy, vegetation-filled water is not great for boats, Peach says. But it is great for fish like the muskie.
6: The muskie is the apex predator in the uh, Great Lakes and St. Lawrence River ecosystem.
5: They're a popular sport fish. They can grow up to four or five feet in length, and they use Blind Bay as a breeding ground.
6: Due to development, there are fewer and fewer of these pristine and spawning areas that are left and this this is a key one
5: peach says the bay would have to be dredged to make the water deep enough for boats if the new facility were built here lawmakers from both parties including senator chuck schumer and congresswoman claudia tenney oppose the proposed blind bay facility they've joined with the save blind bay campaign which also includes local residents and the thousand islands land trust last year the land trust made a bold move It bought almost 300 feet of Blind Bay's shoreline. Jake Tibbles is the land trust's executive director.
7: To site a 48,000 square foot industrial scale facility amongst single family residential homes and and a quiet part of the river, really the heart of the Thousand Islands doesn't align uh, with any of the comprehensive plans or the local waterfront revitalizations plans that, that these local municipalities have worked so hard on.
5: Even though the trust owns the land now, the government could still claim it in court through eminent domain. If a court did let CBP use the land, the community would be compensated. But Tibbles says that wouldn't be enough.
7: From our vantage point, um, you know, really there's, there's no amount of money that the, the federal government could actually compensate uh, the river community for the environmental treasure that would be really destroyed here in this case.
5: Save Blind Bay is advocating that CBP use another site, the old Bonnie Castle Rec Center in Alexandria Bay. That property is not right on the water like Blind Bay is, but CBP could potentially access the water at nearby state parks, about 10 minutes away by car. The CBP spokesman said the department's planning is currently pre-decisional and that an environmental assessment will be completed and circulated to the public for review and comment. Lucy Grinden, North Country Public Radio.
2: mid-level appellate court is siding with Democrats in their attempts to overturn New York's congressional maps. Remember New York's highest court ruled last year that Democrats' original maps had to be redrawn, resulting in several Republican pickups in the 2022 midterms. WSKG's Vaughn Golden has more on yesterday's court decision and where things go from here. The panel
3: was split three to two in its ruling, which reverses a lower court's decision. Republicans immediately announced they would appeal the decision to the state's highest court. The current congressional districts were drawn by a court after Republicans successfully challenged the way the state legislature redrew them as unconstitutional. The Democrat-backed plaintiffs in the case argued the current lines were only supposed to be in place for the 2022 election cycle and that the state's redistricting commission should get another shot at proposing them to the legislature ahead of 2024. The majority agreed and ordered the commission to start drawing new lines, but whether that actually happens will be up to the Court of Appeals, New York's highest court. In Ithaca, I'm Vaughn Golden for North Country Public Radio.
0: State police are investigating a fatal boat fire in Cape Vincent. Cape Vincent fire and ambulance were dispatched to Ponds Marina on Eastern Lake Ontario Wednesday morning. When they arrived, they found a 20 foot long recreational boat fully engulfed in flames. 82 year old Robert F. Pitcher of nearby Three Mile Bay was found deceased in the water. Police say Pitcher was the owner of the boat. The boat fire was extinguished by the Cape Vincent Fire Department. The cause of the fire and Pitcher's death are still yet to be determined.
2: A company that makes industrial chemicals wants to set up a green hydrogen manufacturing plant in Messina. The plant is proposed by Air Products and Chemicals based out of Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania. It would give Messina a much-needed boost. Messina's economy has relied on aluminum for a long time. Things have gotten harder since a lot of that industry left town. According to Channel 7 News, once the plant is built, it would create good-paying jobs for close to 100 people. The construction of the plant is expected to start soon. The New York Power Authority has awarded the company 94 megawatts of St. Lawrence hydropower to move the project along.
0: The longtime Malone Village Police Chief plans to retire later this year. According to the Malone Telegram, Chris Pr- Christopher Primo has led the department for 12 and a half years. Village trustees approved his retirement Monday. Primo told The Telegraph he decided to step down because of the constant stress of the job and changes in the criminal justice climate over the last couple of years. He said it's also becoming a lot harder to hire people who want to be police officers. Primo's planned retirement date is September 14th.
2: One of three third prize-winning tickets in Wednesday night's Powerball drawing was sold in Danamora. The New York Lottery announced that the $50,000 ticket was purchased at the Stewart's Shops Convenience Store on Cook Street. The other two were sold in Brooklyn and Manhattan. The next Powerball drawing is tomorrow night, Saturday night. The jackpot is up to $875 million. (laughs) You're listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. I'm Todd Moe.
0: And I'm Monica Sandreski. Coming up, we'll get a preview of the North Country Thunder Festival this weekend in Plattsburgh. Then stick around after the show for Bird Note just ahead at 842. First, Todd has a look at the weather for us.
2: The Weather Service has sunshine in the St. Lawrence Valley today, a high around 80. Light winds out of the southwest, but uh, partly cloudy skies along eastern Lake Ontario and partly to mostly cloudy skies for the rest of the region uh, today with some scattered showers and thunderstorms uh, today and tonight across the region tomorrow. Uh, slight chance of some rain with highs around 80 and then partly cloudy Sunday. Also a chance of scattered showers, highs near 80. It looks like uh, partly cloudy skies through the early part of next week. Right now in Canton, clouds 67 degrees. And John Warren checks outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks for this weekend.
8: Sunrise will be at about 530 and sunset at about 830. Numerous rain showers and severe thunderstorms brought gusty winds and heavy rainfall to the region this week and left some roads, bridges, and trails washed out or damaged, along with plenty of blowdown. Showers and thunderstorms are expected through the weekend. Keep a close eye on the weather forecast and be aware of the potential for localized flooding, especially on Sunday. DEC has issued a muddy trails and high water advisory and is suggesting you avoid recreating near rivers and streams, due to high waters, fast-moving currents, and floating debris. And also avoid high elevation trails to protect thin soils and fragile alpine habitats. This would be a good weekend to just avoid outdoor adventures in the backcountry until damage can be assessed and to avoid putting pressure on already stressed first responders and other municipal resources. If you do go out, plan extra time and alternative routes for outdoor adventures this weekend in the event you encounter problems with trails, roads, or water crossings. Be sure to watch the weather closely through the weekend for updates and stay off summits and open water during thunderstorms. Waters are high around the region, some near flood stage. Waters are rising and will generally continue to rise through Sunday. Water temperatures remain quite warm, mostly in the mid-70s, which is the temperature of both Upper Saranac Lake and Mirror Lake, and now also Lake Champlain and Lake George. Some shallower waters are warmer, and all water temperatures are expected to rise this weekend with the considerably warmer weather we're expecting. Hiking information stations will be up 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. through the weekend at Mount Van Hovenburg and also at the High Peaks rest area on Interstate 87 northbound on Friday and at the Garden Trailhead Saturday and Sunday. Hiker shuttles are not running on Route 73. Those are the outdoor conditions in the Adirondacks this weekend. For North Country Public Radio, this is John Warren from the New York Almanac. Online at newyorkalmanac.com. You're
0: listening to Northern Light right here on North Country Public Radio. It's about 823. I'm Monica Sandresky here with Todd Mo. So many events going on throughout the community, including this weekend in Plattsburgh at the fairgrounds. Two tattoo artists are organizing a weekend-long music festival to raise money For the Honor Flight, that's a national program to pay for veterans to fly out to Washington, D.C., to honor them in a ceremony and share time together at memorials throughout the Capitol. Jaxi Rodriguez and Michael Lacey run Ink by Lace on Clinton Street in Plattsburgh, and they say it's going to be a weekend of motorcycles, punk music shows, and a time to honor veterans.
7: My dream and goal out of this is to hand Honor Flight a check for at least 30 grand this year, which would pay for a full flight. I would love to be able to do that this year. And then hopefully next year we can pay for two.
3: Right. Yeah. And many people don't even know that even as of right now, we have our World War II veterans. um, I mean, that are their age bracket is the the median range is 92 years old. They haven't even gotten through doing the honor flights for World
7: War II currently. When these guys go on this flight, the amount of pride and joy that they feel from this, like these guys, they get a jacket. They they wear that jacket in 90 degree weather. They don't care. They're just so happy, and they they pull out their wallets and they, you know, they give money to the honor flight themselves personally. You know, it's something that these guys take to their graves, man, and they're happy that somebody in their country stood up and recognized what they gave us. And Absolutely. that's what's important about this whole thing.
3: Absolutely. And it's funny too, with um, you know, you think a lot of rock and roll and punk music tends to be a little anti government, anti this, but many of all these people are like, you know what? Our our warriors, what they fought for us for our freedoms and liberty, that's what matters. You know, that's it's it's even a whole other section of these people that are part of our communities our aunts, uncles, you know, cousins, our family all all of our family members that have been part of fighting for what we have. It's respected from every facet, every person that I've gotten to to talk to about this. You know, so we're bringing bringing all of those those parts together, and a community based thing is just that's what we're really about.
0: Is there something that, like in your life, that really moved you to? I mean, you do so much charity work, and is there something in your life that brought you to to? be be wanting to focus so so much of who you are in that way
7: well if you want to go down the rabbit hole a little bit uh you know I've, i've always been pretty vocal about this but uh back in 2007 i made some pretty uh pretty rough mistakes in my life which resulted in me getting a 13 and a half year prison sentence so out of the 13 and a half years i did 12 um i went away in 2007 i came home in 2018. And while I was there, uh, I did a whole lot of standing in front of the mirror and trying to correct myself and get myself back on the right track. And, uh, you know, I went to college. I did whatever I could to try to better myself while I was in there so that when I came home, I was gonna be able to be there solidly for my family and I would never have to go through uh, that kind of loneliness again. So when I came home, I started working really hard and I worked two jobs and I got custody of my kid and I just got a taste of living life the way I was supposed to. And things started getting good. And then I started realizing that I had put so much negativity into this community that it's kind of my duty to give back whatever I can. And uh, I've been gifted with this unbelievable opportunity to have this tattoo shop and the life that it's given me even in the short two years that I've been here is just something that I never in a million years would have thought that I would have been able to experience so I guess if you wanted to look for a specific point of what makes me want to do this I would say it's just an immense amount of gratefulness for having gone through stuff that I went through you know self-inflicted of course but you know, having fought those battles and then still being able to do what I'm doing today because there aren't many people that do that kind of time that come home and uh, are able to do anything, really. It's very hard.
0: What does the community mean to you? Why why is Plattsburgh important to you?
7: When I left, before I, before I went to, to jail, I had a completely different outlook on this community. I was in a different, you know, bracket of people you know, and the stuff that I was involved with and the people that I was involved with really made me hate this place. And when I went away, I was gone for so long that I realized that it wasn't the place that I hated. It was, you know, the the lifestyle and the people that I brought to my own door. So when I came home one of the things I love to do the most was just take a walk, like long walks. I came home in November, even through the winter. I used to just walk all over the place just because I could. And I started to fall back in love with, you know, my little community out here because I missed it. You know, I was gone for so long and I still have fond memories of, you know, a lot of the local places, you know, under the bridge, down by the monument or, you know, down by the mouth of the lake fishing with my buddies or, you know, taking tubes down the, uh, down the river. And, you know, when I came home, I think I reconnected with a lot of that. And I don't know, man, I see a lot of stuff in our community that we we have a great frame, you know, it's just like an old beautiful motorcycle, you know, it's got a great frame. It's just got some dust on it. It needs to be cleaned up a little bit and we can make things a whole lot better, you know?
0: That was Michael Lacey and Jaxi Rodriguez. They run Ink by Lace on Clinton Street in Plattsburgh and they're organizing the North Country Thunder Festival this weekend to raise money for the honor flight for veterans in the community. There is camping optional vendors and an opening ceremony for veterans at 11 tomorrow and a whole lineup of local bands, including the Plattsburgh-based alt-punk group Dos on Uno. To get a preview, this is their song, Spotlight.